Welcome to the Overdrive Outdoors podcast. Your source for coyote hunting, fishing, and more. We're calling West Texas, and we're filming, and we called 36 coyotes in one night. Two years ago, three years ago, I had in one morning six bucks that were three and a half and older within 50 yards of my stand. Six different bucks one morning. It was in October. Went made my first coyote stand, me and my cousin. And uh, very first freaking stand, guys, we called up seven coyotes. <laughs> seven coyotes. Florida itself is a fisherman's paradise. We stick out in the middle of the water, man. There's water everywhere. Let's kick it in the overdrive. This podcast brought to you by Predator Hunter Outdoors. Locally owned and operated out of Attica, Michigan, Predator Hunter Outdoors will keep you hunting when the sun goes down. Predator Hunter Outdoors has something for every budget and experience level, including lights, night vision, and thermal, as well as a full line of tripods, mounts, and predator calls. Look them up on Facebook and Instagram at Predator Hunter Outdoors, or visit their webpage at www.predatorhunteroutdoors.com. Enter the promo code LIGHT for 20% off light products, and TRIPOD for 10% off tripods and mounts. With today's technology, hunters in the field have more tools than ever to maximize their outdoor experiences. One of those tools is a Grand Rapids, Michigan-based HuntWise app. The HuntWise Pro app is loaded with features including property lines, landowner data, windcast, huntcast, over 250 map layers including 3D maps, a localized rut indicator, as well as discounts of 20% off various name brand products. Step up to the Elite membership and you will get all of that plus HuntCast 2.0 with customizable alerts, Whitetail 365 which gives you season dates and local rut times as well as the best time to plant your food plots, a 15 day hunt forecast and 40-50% to 50% discount on name brand products. Enter code OVERDRIVE for 20% off your membership to HuntWise. Hey everybody, this is Kevin Rott with Overdrive Outdoors Podcast and tonight I am joined by my partner Josh Mapes. How you doing Josh? What's going on man? I'm finally chilling for the day. I've had enough. I'm ready to just kick back. <laughs> I, I know how that is. I've uh, I've been on pretty well unlimited overtime for the last couple months. Um, mostly just been doing 10-hour days, but even those after a while are like, man, I really like an eight-hour day today. <laughs> ah, don't be a sissy. Double down and start doing 12s. <laughs> well, I could, and I could get even more overtime, but, man, I got – Around here, I do most of the cooking. I do. I don't do the cleaning. She does the cleaning. But I do most of the prepar- preparation of meals for us, mostly dinner. Um, and I I like being home for dinner. Well, I know. I get it. It sucks for time for anything else. But when you have to pad that paycheck a little bit, it is nice. But I can't remember when the last time was I did a 12-hour day. I don't mind doing 10s, but. 12-hour days gets old really fast. Yeah, 10s gets old really fast, too, but the money doesn't. Between that and trying to get out deer hunting and uh, my recent septic issues at the household, it's just been kind of hectic. And This weekend was hotter than crap. It was like 74 degrees on Sunday, but I really wanted to be out in a tree, so I was out there sweating bullets. Didn't see a deer, but I enjoyed it. Right. Sometimes you need that reset. You I know. know, and lucky and, for me, lucky for me, Alicia understands that. 
I mean, the first day we had this this issue, found out my uh, drain field went bad. I uh, dug holes for most of the morning, and then I told her about two o'clock. I said, "I'm leaving. <laughs> I'm going hunting. Going to sit in a tree. No questions asked. You go do it." And she knew that's what I needed. That's it's that's a sign of a good wife. I mean, Anne's the same way for me. I mean, that's part of the reason yep. why I think she let me get away this past weekend. Um, you know, I mean, that it helps with a lot of stuff. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's a, it's a mental reset. Yep. Mental, emotional. And I mean, right. And I, I talked to my boss today. He's like, are you sure you're going to take a week off next week? And I said, yep, that's my vacation. I take a week off every deer season. He said, yeah, but you're going to need the money with that septic issue. I said, yep, but I'm also going to need my my mental, you know, I'm, I'm just going to need to be sane. I said, and if I can't take some time off to go spend in the woods unbothered for a week, I'm going to go insane, and many of y'all around here are going to like <laughs> Oh, well. It's one of them hangry things. Yeah, it really is after a while. <laughs> yeah, it is. I get all pissy. <laughs> Let me go hunt. So, Kevin, you spent uh, you spent the last weekend in Ohio with uh, Mr. Tony Bonnet-Segna from Mountain Lodge Outdoors. How did that all go for you? You went down there coyote hunting, right? Yeah, I went down there to do some coyote hunting, help Tony with a couple of things with his collar. Um, it was kind of a, you know, he offered, he says, hey, come down here and help me with this collar. I'll feed you good and we'll go hunt coyotes. I said, sure. Yeah. <laughs> So yeah, we went, I drove down there Friday, took a half day vacation, drove down there Friday, uh, got down there. Oh, I don't know, four or five o'clock ish, um, had dinner. And then basically we went out hunting Friday night. I think we left his place probably about seven thirty eight o'clock, uh, hunted till probably about two thirty in the morning. Um, okay. you know, Ohio, you know, I've been down there before, but it's been a while since we were down there. I think the last time I was down there was with you. And, and that was six, seven years ago. Right. And I think it's one of those things where, you know, I've been so used to hunting up here. You go down there and you're kind of like, holy crap, this is so much different because everything is flat and open. Yeah. Explain yeah. that. I mean, what's the biggest difference between here and there? It's flat and open down there. Up here, you know, I have big patches of woods with smaller fields down there it's the complete opposite you have everything is wide open with small patches of woods around so it's almost like complete opposite yep and then everything's flat there's no hills i mean you might have some drainage ditches but there's no hills or anything yeah so um it's definitely a different type of hunting in that regard but you know it calling is calling it's just you be able to see so far i mean some of the times we'd call on a set and after like five minutes i'm like i don't see anything i don't think there's anything around but <laughs> you know you keep trying anyway so we i don't remember how many sets we made so friday night i think we did see a lot of fox um i want to say we seen three or four fox friday night uh we didn't have hardly anything for vocals the barometric pressure was low it was 29.6 um we ended up for sure seeing i think three coyotes only one gave us a shot opportunity uh that one came in um tony got a shot on it 
He hit it. We looked for it. Um, he thought he had a good hit on it. Um, we looked for it, couldn't find it. There was another coyote that popped up. Actually, what happened was while we were looking for that one, we seen another one pop up. And then it was uh, like in line with a house and we could only see its yeah. head right at the edge of the corn. So that one disappeared. And then while we're out looking for that first one again, another one, because we had to walk away to get back to where we were going to try and trail it. Um, another one started howling at us from back, like by where the truck was parked. Okay. We went back, tried to find that one. We never seen it, tried calling it, never seen it again. So after watching the video again, though, it looks like he hit that one in the leg. So front leg or back leg? Front leg on the offside, it looked like. Because okay. he, he had a broadside shot. That coyote wasn't stopping. It came in and it was just, I barked, you know, made a bunch of noise. Finally, I got to pause at least. That's when Tony took a shot. But, I mean, he had to rotate around because it, you know, went across behind us. Yep. So... We didn't find that one. Then the rest of the night, we never seen anything that gave us a shot opportunity. Um, Saturday, uh, helped him out with his collar a bit. Uh, he cooked up a bunch more food. I had given him some bobcat meat last time he was up here and we were together. And he wanted to cook that up. And so he did that and that came out delicious. Um, how, do you, how do you do that? So... I don't even remember which cut of meat he had, if it was loin or if it was a ham or what, but he marinated it overnight and then um, he coated it with like a spicy or brown mustard and then okay. put panko and Parmesan on it and then threw it on the grill. And it came out so tender, you could like cut it apart with a spoon. And it the was, flavor? Oh, the flavor was great. You still had... A little bit of that gaminess at the very end, but it was real mild. Not enough that, sure. I mean, like I said, it was good. I mean, he he was pleasantly surprised too. Is at least that's what he told me. <laughs> now, when you when you cut that fresh bobcat meat, does it have a odor to it? It does. That that I mean is a turn off. No, because it's not. You know how a coyote basically smells like. Bleh. You know, I mean, coyotes. coyotes stink. I wouldn't yeah. say that the bobcat stinks. It just has its own unique odor. Um, and I don't know the best way to describe it because it's not really like sour or off-putting or I guess I don't really know the best way to describe it. So it came out uh, like a pulled pork? In terms of tenderness, yeah. Okay. Um, it was real tender. I mean, it was a short grain cut of meat. Yep. Oh, I mean, it wasn't real long and stringy, and it was real tender and real juicy. I mean, Jesse had some. Um, I think someone else came over and had some too. Uh, Seward's, Seward's. Oh yeah, yeah. His name was right? Yeah, I think they had some. Nicole, um, Nicole shout out. Yeah, Nicole and her husband. Yep. Um, they tried some, and then he also had some uh, poppers, bacon wrap poppers, chicken wings. Did potatoes. I mean, a full spread. I still now I haven't eaten hardly anything today and I'm still not hungry. Put it that way. <laughs> I mean, that's how well he fed me down there. And it was all Tony, it was all great stuff. I mean, Tony knows how to cook some food. He, he likes his food. and He's got that rolling coal show that he's trying to make all these different things with. And yeah, some of it looks really, really good. Yep. So after we ate, 
we ended up heading out again Saturday night. Um, again, we left probably about seven thirty, eight o'clock. Um, that night we did one set first, just Tony and I, and then um, Isaac ended up joining us for the rest of the night. Okay. So it was the three of us out there. On the first set we went to, we didn't see or hear squat. But back up a little bit, Friday night, I overdressed. I think Tony did too. I mean, we ended up sweating um, Friday night. Saturday night, I dressed a lot lighter. The conditions were really nice. I mean, clear skies, no bright moon. Temperature was probably in the maybe 50s, 60s, low 60s, upper 50s. And just yeah. a nice, low, steady breeze. I mean, it was beautiful conditions. Uh, pressure was up. It was 30.01 and rising. Um, we had a lot which more. Is what we, which is what we typically like. Right. We had a lot more vocals. Most of them were a long ways off, but that actually worked out on one of the sets. Um, we didn't see as many fox, but we heard fox Saturday night. Uh, matter of fact, uh Ike mentioned several times that he's that's more Fox than he's heard in a long time. Um, I don't remember how many sets we made, but we hunted till like three 30 in the morning. We ended up only having one shot opportunity and that one, we were set up with a cornfield behind us, um, open field in front of us and then cornfield in front of us to the left as well. So cornfields at her back and we're calling and we had one howl from basically kind of behind us and to the right. But it to me, it sounded like a long ways away. Ike and Tony both said they knew approximately where they thought that coyote was and ended up hitting den raid. And just about the time den raid was finished up, we could hear something running through the corn behind us. We turn around, look with a scanner and there's a coyote probably like 10, 15 feet behind us in the corn. And Isaac was on the left. Um, Tony was in the middle and then I was on the right. And the coyote was like right behind Tony. Um, so he turned around to try and get on it. Isaac, it was close enough. Isaac was going to pull out his pistol and try and shoot it with its pistol. But of course it heard us move and went back into the corn disappeared. Right. So I tried lip squeaking for a little bit with no effect. I figured, okay, well, I'm going to throw out some pup distress out there. Hit pup distress on the collar, and I bet you within a minute that coyote popped up, down, came out of the corn into the field, and uh, Tony was able to put a shot on that one and drop that one. With um, the 243, right? Yeah, he's shooting the 243 that I affectionately call the Red Rocket. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and, um, we had, we called another spot, we called in a pair, and it was coming from a long ways away. It looked like it was coming our way. And then behind or to the right of where we were at, though, was the road that we drove in on. And while this pair is coming, all of a sudden here comes a truck and it stops like halfway down that road, right in the open area. Headlights on, everything just stops in the road. And Stand right then, coyotes. right then, those coyotes just got stopped and took off into the woods, never to be seen again. Then we had one other set where um, we called this coyote into a field. It was coming out, and little did I know that there was a road on the other side of that field. And as a coyote is coming into the field, here comes a truck down that road again. And that coyote turned around and ran right back into the corn so fast it wasn't even funny. Um, 
And we did end up calling that coyote back out, but it was on a sprint and never gave us a shot opportunity. So the only coyotes you guys saw this weekend were using standing cornfields? No, I mean, there was some that were like that pair. Those didn't come out of corn. That was all wide open there. Um, Let's see, the fox. We've seen one fox in a cabbage patch. Seen another fox that a lot of the fields we hunted, I think the beans were taken off, and then it'd have like one side would be all corn that was still standing. So a lot of them a lot of them did come out of the corn areas though some of my favorite stuff to call is anything around standing corn oh absolutely if you have a cornfield a hay field the cornfield oh i love it dynamite yeah now how come you guys didn't take any fox they're not in season yet oh really i thought their season started earlier tony said their season doesn't start until november oh i gotcha i gotcha otherwise we would have had opportunities to shoot a couple of them (laughs) At least oh. it was active in, in some sort of way. Right. You know, that's the thing, too. Friday night, we didn't even see very many deer. Saturday night, we definitely seen more deer. We still didn't see a lot, but we seen more, and they were on their feet more. Um, and again, we heard the fox, and we had more vocals. But um, just the, the, they weren't real strong to react. I thought, yeah. you know, after we called in the first two that we called in, saturday night both of den raid i looked at tony i said okay we found out what the sound is we need to run tonight we need to run den raid on every set yep and we still had some that didn't come in even to that so you know it is what it is we had a good time um i mean tony's great his family's great it's nice down there it's quiet it's kind of like what we were talking about earlier it was a nice reset for me because i've been so busy yeah. lately to be able to just go down there and relax for a bit, get out and hunt, enjoy time with friends and eat good food and be outside, you know? So did you go down there? I mean, we're talking, let's see here. It is the 24th today. You were down there the 22nd and 23rd. Well, the 21st, 21st. 23rd. Yep. Yep. Did you go down there with any thought in your mind of, okay, it's, it's October. I'm going to try to use, this sound because it should be working anything like that um to be honest with you i did not um main well i did to an extent i did start off with more distress um most of the sets i started off with some low to mid volume rabbit yep uh, matter of fact i used um tony tebby's new sounds the full stand number two oh, yeah, yep yep which is I think it's about four or five different rabbit sounds in sequence. I started a lot of the sets with that just because I was hoping to draw in young dumb ones that would come into anything and thinking that vocals might keep shy ones, younger ones away. Yep. I started most all those sets off with distress of one sort or another. And like I said, use those full stands on quite a few of them. I also played some cottontail candy. I did some, bird i did uh um baby duck even on a couple because tony says he's never used that sound i'm like dude you gotta try this sound baby duck has worked really good for me so like i said i started off with a lot of distress and if we didn't get any response off that then i would go into vocals and then usually finish off each set with either den raid or some other pup distress how many coyotes did you actually see two distress sounds good question 
They come from so far away out there. <laughs> it doesn't um, sound like very many. No, I, I would say most of them responded to vocals or pup distress. Okay. But like that pair, no, even that pair that came from a long ways, I think that one came in after a howl as well. And I tried to stick with either single or pair howls. I didn't really do many group sounds. I did a couple every now and then, like get to the end of the set. Even after playing like Pup or Den Raid, I'd let loose with one that I really like too lately from Tony is um, Make Them Talk. Yep. I would cut loose with that one just to see if we'd get a response from somewhere. And, That's what I do too. Yep. And they weren't really talking much after that. On, on Friday night. Oh, even Saturday night, they wouldn't, I didn't give any responses to Make Them Talk. Okay. To single howls or pair howls, yes, we were getting responses. Were you getting group responses or just singles? Mainly singles. Okay. Yep. Yeah, because, I mean, I guess I was kind of asking that for anybody that's listening to this. If you don't know Coyote vocals, you really need to take the time to learn them. Right. Because it is, I run, I mean, I bet I'm 75 to 80% vocal user. Mm-hmm. Like I, I can't stand listening to the same rabbit distress for minutes at a time and then just go into another rabbit. I, I just get so bored with that. Plus I love hearing them talk so much right. that I just love using vocals to get them to talk. Well, you know, like I said, when you get done with a set and you haven't seen anything, you want to, you're thinking to yourself, man, are there even anything in the area? So you want to try and play something that you think, would trigger them just to see if they're actually around there and then if they do respond maybe it can come up with a plan to move on them or whatever yeah especially in areas like he's got i mean because you can see for so long Mm -hmm. and i know they've got a lot of property around there that all it's all uh you could be on one and and howl and get vocals on another one that they can hunt right um, so when you can do that, it's it's always worth it. If it's something you can move on, I recommend that too. Even if you've, like you said, ran Den Raid or some real aggressive sound, just because they didn't come into that doesn't mean that they won't howl somewhere if you try to get them to. Right. Um, I like using that method. Yeah. Now, Tony had told me he's been having luck with fight sounds lately. Yeah. So I did play some of that as well. Um Matter of fact, I almost think that one Friday night may have came into a fight sound. It was either a fight sound or Den Raid. I don't remember, but the one Saturday night for sure was Den Raid. Okay. Well, it sounds like you had a good time either way, but you only put one in the truck. Yep. It was a good Which nice had... one, too. It was a, what, 36.4 pound female? Yeah, big one. That was a nice big coyote. Fur looked good and everything. It sucks because the fur still are like, invaluable to most people right now yeah they are about the I mean, only way sucks. about the only way you're gonna get good money out of a fur right now is if you get it processed get it tanned and sell it as a tanned hide yeah or learn to do it all yourself but really we don't have that kind of time right i mean that's a that's a long a long time period that you guys spend doing all that i don't know how to properly do it i ruin furs just trying to flesh them Right. (laughs) (laughs) I'd rather just put them in a bag and put them away. I mean, I've got, I don't even know how many outside in the freezer that I'm just waiting for a rainy day when somebody says they need some furs and I can get rid of them. 
Uh, I, I don't even know what a coyote looks or sounds like anymore right now. I don't remember. It's been a, it's been quite a while since I've been out and gone after any. I was going to go out when I went up to that deer camp with the Bowhunter Chronicles podcast, but I was looking and looking and looking for somewhere that was like a, maybe a fairly recent clear cut or any kind of an open field on public. I couldn't find them anyway, anywhere. And there was one spot that Adam had pointed out. He's like, yeah, you can get back in here and these are fields. It's like a three or 400 yard walk through the woods to get back there. I'm like, nah, <laughs> not, not worth it. <laughs> I don't well, like walking that far. I like stepping out of my truck and walking 50 yards and getting to my spot. You know, in regards to that, I was taking a look at the woods around here today on the way home from work. And after that frost, the leaves have started dropping like crazy and we have high winds. So I think it's getting to the point now where you'll actually get some better visibility in the woods now to where I think it'd be worth giving that a whirl, you know? Yeah. I've never, uh, I've never spent any time calling coyotes actually in the hardwoods at night. I like it. I mean, it's definitely something you have to do with thermal, but I mean, the times that I've done it, you get some nice close encounters. <laughs> yeah, you could almost do it with a bow in the woods, probably. Yeah, if you figure out a way to put a thermal on a bow. Well, yeah, that would be a little difficult. <laughs> right. Be, be a little bit harder. Do it with a crossbow. Crossbow you could do. Yep. But then I'd have to go out there with a crossbow. So? <laughs> I just don't want to. Our crossbow is still hanging up here on the wall. Doesn't even have a scope on it right now because I pretty much decided this year I'm not going to push the kids. Um, I know I've mentioned that a couple times talking on here, but um, I just I'm just waiting for them to ask me because I don't know. It's my passion that I enjoy either way, but I don't want to try to force that passion onto them because right. if they're not, if they're not going to get hooked, me pushing them to do it, yep. isn't going to hook works. them anymore. It's just going to push them away. Yep. Agreed. So I don't know. It's uh, I'm kind of feeling a little bit selfish this year going out as much as I have been without them. But I talked to Alicia the other day and I said, has any of them either even said anything about deer hunting? And she said, nope. Owen said he wants to go during gun season and Carter hasn't said anything. So I'm like, well, as long as, I mean, if they ask, sure, I'll go sight in the crossbow, get it ready for them, help have them shoot it a couple times, you know, and we'll go out. But if they're not going to be the first one to say they want to go, it doesn't help for me to, to try to force them to go. Right. So yeah. I don't know. Yep, there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, if they come into it in their own and they ask to go, then more power to them. If they don't, I mean, it is what it is, right? I mean, not everyone has to like it. Not everyone has to want to no, do exactly. it. Exactly. Exactly. And that's kind of where I'm at. I mean, part of me wanting to get them out there so bad is because I know it makes it easier on her for yeah. me to have at least one of them. But right. at the same time, right now, she's like, go get me some more meat. Like, okay, I'll go do what I can. I mean, it's, it's been a pretty good year so far and Owen's got his deer in the freezer from the youth hunt. So, um, we're definitely not struggling on venison, but I'm doing so many different things with it this year that I want to keep it coming in so I can stock up even more. 
Yeah, that's that's something actually Tony and I talked about while we were down there this weekend is talking about all the cool things that you're doing with it this year. I mean, yeah, you're, you're really branching out, doing more stuff, being more creative with it and more different ways to enjoy it, which, you know, it's I've done summer sausage. I've done snack sticks. I've made myself the only thing that uh, you're doing that I haven't done is canning. And that's something that I do want to do. And I'm hoping to maybe do it this year. Yeah, and you said you've tried it before. I've had canned venison, yeah, but I've never made it myself. Who made it when you had it? It was one of the guys at work. Um, okay. He made it. He worked in the same department. I don't remember how we got on the talking about it, but he just started talking about canned venison. I said, that sounds absolutely nasty. Any canned meat other than tuna just doesn't sound that good. And, Dude, and it looks disgusting. Right. And he says, I'll bring you some in. You try it. I'm like, all right. So he brought me in a full jar of it. He said, take it, put it in with some gravy and put it over like mashed potatoes or noodles. So that's what I did. I mixed it up, I think, with some beef gravy, uh, maybe put some mushrooms in with it and put it over some egg noodles. And it was delicious. I'm like, yeah, I'm going to be doing this. Yeah. And I mean, the gravy, I guess, yeah, you could do it. But what I've been making, I mean, I've been doing an all raw pack when i can it so you put it in there raw with whatever seasonings you want and uh it makes its own gravy i mean the seasonings mixed with the the juice from the meat itself goes good on freaking everything i mean today at lunch at work i made ramen noodles and poured partial can of canned venison in there best ramen noodles you'll ever buy (laughs) (laughs) now it's uh I'm just, Alicia and I have talked like a lot this year about just trying to stock stuff away because prices for anybody at grocery shops, especially for a family, uh, prices aren't dropping. Um, So we're learning to, I mean, we had a big garden, all of our vegetables. I learned how to can. Uh, My mom has taught me, kind of taught me how to can last year doing salsa. And I've watched my mom can for years, you know, she's always canned stuff. But she was always like deathly afraid of using a pressure cook canner mm-hmm. because she doesn't want something to explode. Right. And I'm kind of one of them. <laughs> I'm going to take my chances and see what happens and we'll see how, how it works. And uh, my grandma passed away Thanksgiving last year and uh, she had a pressure canner and it was sitting at my aunt's house unused. So I picked that up at a family reunion a month ago and yeah, it's been kind of just off to the races with that thing. I mean, we've gone through the problem with it is it's so good that I I keep giving it to people who have never tried anything like that. And And I'm like, look at yourself. Yeah. I look in the cupboard and I'm like, well, crap, we didn't need all that. Oh yeah. I got two cans out here. I got a can out here. Uh, My mom brought a jar up to my grandpa up at the cottage and comes home and gives me two empty jars. Well, I only sent one jar. And he's, grandpa said, I'm going to give you these two empty jars, but only because I want them returned full. Right. <laughs> so, um, and I mean, he, he had texted me the night that they ate that stuff and he said, fell apart with a spoon. Yeah. I mean, it, everything we've done canned venison wise, even the crappy cuts, what I consider like a, like a junk cut, like a burger cut, you'd normally grind it up like the shanks. I do the shanks, cut it up in chunks and put it in there and pressure can it. 
you would never know that was what you were eating because it is so tender. It just falls apart. I mean, um, I'm starting to mess with different flavors. I did a couple last week with uh, barbecue sauce itself in the jar um, and then some other pepper, pink salt, uh, garlic, onions. I like garlic and onions. I know you like onions, but they're not good for you. Um, but just that flavor that it adds in with the meat and then you get all that different textures when you're eating it. That one came out almost like a, it was less barbecue and more like a chili flavor because of the, I used a smoky seasoning nice. that I had bought off the shelf at Aldi and I had shredded that up one night and I mixed it with mayonnaise, put it on a tortilla, added cheddar cheese and pickles to it. Dude, it was so freaking good. And for $20 for the deer tag, I told her we're going to need to buy more jars because that is stuff that Alicia does not like to cook. Mm-hmm. She didn't grow up eating. I mean, she talked about that on the podcast she recorded with us. Right. She didn't grow up eating stuff like that. And mostly what she had was box dinners, out to eat, stuff like that. Just simple food that you could just grab it and eat it. Yeah. Um, I was raised around home-cooked meals every night for dinner. That's what we had. So instead of going out to eat, you know, we just, mom always made home cooked meals. And the last couple of years, it gets to about April, May. And every day it's like, what can we make with burger tonight? Because that's what we've got. I mean, I asked her again last week on that last dough I shot, do we need any burger? She said, absolutely not. We do not need any burger. We have a ton of burger we need to just keep making other stuff. And that's when I made the summer sausage, dude, I got to figure out a different way to do that. Cause that stuff, I made 20 pounds of it and it is not very good. Really? I, I don't, I don't know because you're supposed to, most of the recipes I read say, take them out of, uh, out of the oven and then instantly dunk them in an ice water bath because it sets. Uh-huh. Well, I never had either. And my other ones seem to turn out pretty good a long time ago, but they say if you add fat to it and you cook it and then you instantly put it in an ice bath, it sets that fat up like real quick. So it's not just a mushy fat in the meat. I didn't do that because of our current water situation at the house. I just told her to take it out a half hour early and let it sit there and rest for the rest of the day. And that's what it did. But it's like a, it's almost like a meatloaf consistency. I mean, kind of mushy, kind of just blah. I mean, the flavor's there, but it's like not one that you would just cut and slice and eat with cheese and crackers. It's not that kind of a summer sausage. So I got to figure out a different method for that. Um, Were you using a mix for it at all? No. Nope. I do not. Uh, once, once you start buying mixes, you could go through some money pretty quick. But because but, but the thing is, if you try a couple of mixes and you find one you like, then you yep. get the ingredients and what's in that, and then you can replicate it and tweak it. Yeah, well, and it's not the flavor that's bad; it's the it's the consistency of the finished product. I mean, it's just like a it's just like a mushy. It's just weird. I can't even explain it to you without giving you some. You want my it just did not turn out. Yeah. 
You want my two cents as to why that is? I didn't pack it tight enough. Well, I thought about that, but I packed it tighter before I put it in the oven. I mean, I rolled them up tight as tight as I possibly could without tearing the outside. Okay. Um, before we cooked them, because I had I noticed that before, anyways, the ends were all kind of collapsed and not quite packed. So I wrapped them even tighter. Oh. Um, I I don't know. It just I got I got twelve to fourteen pounds of it in the freezer like that right now. So maybe coming out of the freezer and defrosting a little bit and slicing it that way, it'll be a little bit better. Um, I don't know. Maybe we also might've just tried it too early and it not been completely set up. Who yeah. who knows? But, um, no, I buy, uh, I buy bulk ingredients the most I can. There's a place called, uh, essential organic ingredients, I think.com. Um, I bought just a crap load of seasonings off them this spring because it's, I think like a pound of seasoning is like 10 bucks which that's pretty cheap because if you were to buy a pound of seasoning in a store mixed up, you're going to spend probably like close to 10. <laughs> right. Exactly. For a little, you know, a little shaker bottle. Yeah. Um, so I just been trying to come up with my own flavor combinations and like the canned stuff, all that has worked out great. We, none, none of it has been bad. Um, I canned meatloaf. I know you got some of you guys had seen that. Um, which was basically just a normal meatloaf recipe, all raw meat mixed with all the ingredients. Um, there was even ketchup in there because that's an ingredient in meatloaf and cooked together. A guy at work said, dude, I absolutely cannot stand meatloaf, blah, blah, blah. Well, he, he tried that and he said, if you made me meatloaf like this every time I would eat it. And I didn't think, I don't think it's as good as like a normal like my wife cooked meatloaf. She cooks, she cooks good meatloaf. My mom's meatloaf. It's not that good, but it's got potential to be that good. If I learn the seasonings, mm -hmm. you know, so I don't know. There's just different things that for, if I'm going to be working late, I mean, a lot of my time right now, I work till three thirty, four o'clock. And if it's a nice night out and we got nothing going on, I, uh, basically come home, change my clothes and go hit the tree stand. And for her to be able to open up a jar of pre-cooked, pre-seasoned everything and just add it to something for the family, I mean, you, you got a 10-minute meal. Yep. And you, you really can't screw it up. So yep. it's been good. Um, but, yeah, I'm, on, uh, I'm working on filling my fourth dough tag now to try to put more, more meat in there. And that way, my goal in the spring is to look at the cover and say we're good. You know, we're good for a little while. So how many how many deer do you think that'll take? What's your goal for this year in taking deer? Me personally? Yeah, for you and the family. For I want to personally fill five doe tags in my two buck tags. Okay. Whether I fill those on two bucks or two different does, I don't care. So seven deer. Um, seven deer for me. Now... Carter has two tags and Owen has a tag still. And both of them want to go hunting during gun season. And I'm pretty sure the spot that we've got for gun season, it should be no problem for them to be able to fill a tag or two. Um, I mean, this year alone, we've already gone through, I mean, from last season to now, I bet we've eaten six deer. 
I mean, that's just, that's what we eat. That's literally what we eat. If it's in the freezer, we do not go to the store or go to anywhere shopping for meat because the prices are insane. Yeah. No, I agree with that for sure. I mean, growing up in my household, my mom and dad always canned tuna. I don't remember them canning venison much, but they did can like salmon. Um, yep. and they did a ton of vegetables. I mean, we always had a big garden and they did beets, beans, peas. Uh, of course you did all stuff with tomatoes. You had stewed tomatoes, you had tomato sauce, you had salsa. Yeah. Um, did I say beets. I can't stand beets yep. They yep. Used, and pickles used to make, my mom used to make some killer spicy, uh, dill pickles. Um, and we always had a spicy, pan. like hot spicy. Oh yeah, she'd put like okay. uh, I think they were cayenne peppers or some some chili peppers in them, and then some garlic and onion. And I loved them because they're like the Vlasic. You remember the old Vlasic commercials of talking about how crunchy they are? Yep. That's how hers were, especially if she had the smaller pickles. They were spicy and they were crunchy, and I loved them. Um, she did full pickles, or did she do spears? Full. Yeah, full. Okay. And then they do bread and butter pickles, which I really like those. I haven't had them in forever, but I really like those. Um, they also used to do uh, applesauce. My mom always used to make some really good, like cinnamon applesauce, um, pears, peaches, all that. See, stuff. applesauce, applesauce is delicious, but once you add cinnamon, throw that in the trash. Oh no, that's the best way, dude. <laughs> Get some cinnamon applesauce. I cannot stand. And Caramel throw some, maybes. And throw some red hots in it. Oh, delicious. What? <laughs> yeah. Those red hot candies. Put those yeah, in some warm applesauce. Mm. Um, warm applesauce too? Yeah. No. See, you're, you're, no. <laughs> you're dating yourself because this is back when they didn't have refrigerators. <laughs> <laughs> they used to have a pantry of all their canned goods that I bet you was five to six feet long, floor to ceiling, and it would be full almost all the time. But you know what? She, your mom and dad never had to go, man, we're out of food. Right. You know, and that's and they, my goal. Like, and they knew where I don't it came want to from. Have to go shopping. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And they knew what it, they knew that what it was, the stuff that they liked. Yeah, exactly. You make what you want and you know you're going to use it. Yep. I mean, a can of pickles around here, as soon as the kids open a jar, I might as well not even try to sneak myself one because they are gone that day. Right. We just, uh, I pickled a lot of green beans this year. Did you ever mm-hmm. do that? Uh, my folks did. So good. No, you know when what? They didn't, they didn't pickle them. They just canned them. See, I used uh, the same mix as I used for all of our dill pickles. I used that on the green beans. So freaking good. And yesterday they opened up one of my big jars of it, and I didn't. I got one green bean out of that jar, <laughs> and it was gone by the time I went to try to get any more. But, you know, that's good because, I mean, you think about it, and you see it more and more, especially with city people, but I think in terms of generations of people coming up, there aren't as many people your age or your family's age that are doing that. Everything's, you know, snacks out of the store, candy, you know, whatever. And for them to have stuff like that and enjoy it is going to be so much better for one cost wise Two, you know, it's healthier and three, they're liking it. 
and four it's and there. it's vegetables right that's what i'm saying it's healthier yeah 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 i mean for us it's like you know if I go back every week and look at just my gas station costs, like on a snack, if I want to go to the gas station before I go to work and grab a, a muffin or whatever before work or a donut, and then I go out hunting during the weekend and I stop at the gas station for something beforehand each time, it's like, you know, I can easily rack up a $50 bill, $60, $70 bill at the gas station in a week just grabbing snacks. And it's like, if we were to eat that way for the whole family, it, we'd be broke. Right. I mean, <laughs> you know, it's just, I don't know. We're just trying to learn to stock up. And yeah, like I said, constantly having that in there and that meat, they say when you do it properly, will hold in there for up to 10 years. Yep. And I mean, I've had stuff now that's been in that cupboard since Owen shot his during the youth hunt. So a month and a half still just as good as the day after i cooked it it's actually better now because the seasonings have set in yeah you know so i don't know it's just been it's been a little bit of an adventure trying to learn to pressure cooking and pressure canning for me i'm using a probably a close to 40 maybe 50 year old canner so it doesn't have safety latches on it it doesn't have anything like that it's just watch that pressure so for a 75 minute can which is how i do the venison uh 75 minutes around i mean you're supposed to hover it around 10 pounds of pressure but i'm going up to about 11 to 12 just because more isn't going to hurt it as long as there's enough water in it um the problem is if you boil boil it too high a pressure at the wrong altitudes you can boil the water out of it and then have a big problem um but I mean, for 75 minutes, I'm usually pretty much not leaving the kitchen because I'm watching that gauge. Right. Um, I just don't want, I don't want to be standing in the shower and get hit in the foot with a canning lid. Right. You know, so I, I don't know. It's just been, it's been cool, but we've, uh, we've been enjoying it. And my dad was requesting some canned venison too. He's like, you know, I had it a long time ago and it was good and never been able to make it ourselves. Mom doesn't want to do it. So I've been giving him some cans of it. And he's like, he texts me and he's like, is it just as good as I remember? And he said, and the broth that it makes is the best part of it all. I mean, it just makes its own perfect flavored mixture concoction that is perfect. I mean, it's, it's awesome. I'm happy I learned it. And, and our friend Josh Pelham used to be on with us. He was always talking about canned venison. Yep. I just never had a way to do it. Right. Um, since you're delving into that whole world of the canning and stuff, something else that I tried recently that was absolutely delicious was pickled salmon. Okay. My brother-in-law made some of that. And I like like pickled herring. You see that around the holidays. They have cream mm -hmm. herring. They have pickled herring. I love eating pickled herring. And my brother-in-law brought me a jar one time and i was like what the heck is that pickled salmon and oh my gosh that stuff was delicious so if you get a chance look into it and if you can try it try it i think you'll like it so how did the what was the appearance of it in the jar just looked like fish pieces of fish in there but it had onions and peppers and seasonings yep. and all that in it but i mean it looked it, it didn't turn to mush or anything Oh, it did not. So, no. I mean, could you take it out in a full piece still, Absolutely. or did it just kind of crumble? Nope, took it out in a full piece, <laughs> just like pickled herring. Same thing. Huh, that's interesting. Yeah. 
Yeah, I'll, I'll have to try it because we've been, uh, I mean, we spent a lot of this spring and summer out fishing, um, trying to put fillets in the freezer for winter and stuff when we're not out fishing. I am not big into ice fishing at all. Uh, fell through a hole a long time ago when I was ice fishing, and I just never really wanted to go try it too much after that. Um, but yeah, we, we caught we caught quite a few panfish and uh, all the legal bass we caught during legal bass season we kept. Um, I know a lot of people don't eat them, but I'm a firm believer that a deep fried anything tastes just fine. And Alicia never used to like fish at all. And ever since I started breading it and deep frying it, she eats it just as fast as I can make it. Um, I mean, that's kind of my goal, man. It's like... <sighs> You know as well as I do, you're never going to keep everybody happy, especially when it comes to food. And trying to make something for everybody to enjoy, I don't know, it's just, it's difficult. But being able to come up with a way that everybody will eat it, including my wife, who's never liked this stuff before, that that's what's awesome to me. Yeah. And I mean, she's, she's mentioned before that she might like to go out behind a gun deer hunting um olivia our daughter has talked about recently wanting to go out with the gun obviously she's gonna have to spend some time behind the gun before i go do anything with that um she's always been too afraid to pull the trigger when we've taken her out to try to shoot the gun so i don't know it'd just be it'd be nice if we could all be out there and all put meat in the freezer but until then i'm i'm also very happy being able to go out there and do it myself so yeah. <laughs> Now I'll have to bring you some food, uh, some cans, or next time we meet up, I'll give you some stuff. But I did, uh, I turned two deer ago. I think I made about 20 pounds worth of brats out of some, and those actually turned out really good. I've never uh, had a venison brat. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. I never had either, but up at that deer camp, we uh, there was a guy, Tom, he actually had just just about was moving out to montana but he made the stop out to us uh at that deer camp and he had brought some venison sausage and that was what immediately went okay i gotta try something with this next time and i made yeah i think i made close to 20 pounds of them i did some with cheddar jalapeno and i did some with just cheddar um we've only had them for one meal so far but like i just ate mine on the road on a bun just as I was going out deer hunting and Alicia said they were really good, but they needed something with them. You could like, like pasta salad or something as a side. So you weren't just eating that because I made them. I mean, they're fat. They're, they're big, they're big sausage. So it's, uh, but the flavor's right. The texture's good. Um, just another thing I want to learn, but next I want to try doing like the little links like the little breakfast style ones, so I can mm. throw a bunch of them in the freezer because that's all stuff that we go through a lot of. And if I don't, if I don't learn to do it myself, I'm going to have to keep paying somebody else to do it for me. And I don't want to do that. If you want the recipes, I have a recipe to make your own breakfast sausage and chorizo. And then yes. Yeah. Send I'll, it to me when you can. I will do that. I got to find, uh, I got to find smaller casings. I think that I mean like the casings I bought for the for the sausage I made it's way too big to make like sausage links out of 
So I got to find smaller casings, but I know Blaine's farm and fleet here uh, by the house. They had, uh, they had the regular casings. I just didn't check to see if there was any smaller ones, but there's all, there's so many things you could do with different cuts of venison that you'd never even think of. Uh, the other thing I've been trying is the tongue. Um, and I know it looks kind of gross and it looks kind of gross when I'm cooking it. <laughs> yeah. It looks like that. <laughs> it, it does not. It definitely does not look appealing when it's in the pan, but once you boil it, I mean, you got to boil it for like two, three, maybe four hours to get the skin to peel off of the meat. Um, but I peel off that skin and then I slice it real thin, season both sides of it, throw it in oil real quick for, I mean, just, just long enough to, to brown up the sides of it because they're so thin. Olivia freaked out the first time she was eating it. She did not like it. The second time I didn't tell her what it was and she was eating it just fine until Owen opened his mouth and said, I like that tongue lift. <laughs> <laughs> and then she all of a sudden didn't like it anymore. So it's definitely worth your time. Um, anybody listening to this that's never tried it and might want to, it is definitely worth the time. The only thing I can say is if you're going to try to make any kind of a meal more than like a couple bite appetizer, you're going to need a couple deer tongues because you don't get very much off of each one. Right. And I, I've had beef tongue before. My mom made it once when I was younger, and I actually really liked it. Um, yeah. So I don't know how uh, venison would compare with beef, but I know the beef tongue that I had, I thought was really good. Well, and I can probably run up the road here to the meat market and get beef tongue, I bet, pretty cheap. And beef tongue's a lot fatter. I mean, you'd have to get a lot more meat off of uh off of beef tongue than you would venison but it's definitely worth it the flavor's fine the texture is fine the texture to me reminds me of like a like a juicy t-bone with some fat on the end and if you were to take a bite of half fat half meat you know that kind of i don't know that i don't know how to explain that texture but that's the texture that it reminds me of mm -hmm. and alicia said the same thing she alicia ate it and tried it and she said it'd be just fine if she didn't know what it was so it's a mind over matter thing but right i i'm i'm trying to make the most use out of stuff as i can and stuff like that it's like usually i throw it in the trash but listening to the meat eater podcast a lot they talk about the tongue a lot and i'm like well why not try it and it's definitely worth it. Sure. Yeah. The one thing, another thing too, that I've never thought about before, and I've heard people talk about it is venison bacon. I've heard of that too. And I've never, I don't know how to make it. I got to look up how to do it, but right. it looks yeah. like it's probably a process. I'm sure it probably is, but I'm really curious as to how it is. Right. Well, the problem with venison is there's not much fat on it. That's kind right. of what makes bacon bacon to me, you know? I don't know. I don't know. It's something worth trying though. I've got a meat slicer that I bought last year and I kind of want to uh I kind of want to take a venison rump roast and slice that up real thin and turn that into like sandwich meat cuz I like a good sandwich, a good thick meaty lettuce tomato sandwich. I love that, especially when you're on like a road trip or out hunting and you need something easy, you just throw that in together and 
I don't know, though. I haven't tried it. The only problem I found with my meat slicer is I don't think it's got the balls to really power through much. So I don't know if I need to cut meat on it when it's frozen or partially frozen or if I need to do it raw. But when it's raw, it kind of like it almost like smears the meat. You know, it kind of like drags across that meat and just smears it more than it slices it. So I don't know. It could just be the one I've got is not very good. It was on sale at the end of the year last year. and I picked it up to try some different things, but I haven't even gotten it out this year yet. <laughs> um, speaking of sandwich meat and such, one thing I have tried that was really good that I wouldn't mind getting some again or making it was venison pastrami. I I've love, heard of that too. I, I love pastrami. And a guy offered me some at work, and I'm like, venison pastrami, really? And he gave me some, and I was like, man, that stuff was good. Yeah, I mean, pastrami's got, like, uh, like stuff inside of it, doesn't it? No. No? I thought nope. it had, like, seasonings inside the meat and all nope. kinds of stuff. That You're thinking of, um, there's, there's another name for it. I know what you're talking about. I think there's another name for it, though. But straight up pastrami, uh, the meat is brine, and then there's a a particular spice mix that's rubbed on the outside and then it's cured and it's, it's delicious. And that's the other thing I was going to say too, not necessarily on track, I guess, but I want to make a built in or like a walk-in cooler in my garage because venison tastes way better if it's got time to age, but we haven't had the weather this year for anything to age very long. Um, so mostly what I've been doing is getting everything home. I've, I'm a, I've got three does down this year and I'm pretty sure every one of them was at least on ice by the next day because it's been too warm to hang them. Um, but I want to make a walk-in cooler. I've seen some cool ideas made out of like foam board and then, uh, like a window unit, AC unit, um, because you really got to control the humidity and everything when you're doing that stuff. And you got to be able to keep it a certain temperature, but I want to do that too, because that way I could age the meat. I mean, I've heard of some people aging meat so long that they have to cut mold off of it. And they say that it's like the best meat you're ever going to find. You can put your finger right through a whole deer ham, you know, and, and that is tender meat, but I just don't have, I don't have the capabilities to do it here. Right. One day. Yeah, I know we built, uh, I shouldn't say we, but I maybe helped a little bit. I don't remember now, but we did a walk-in cooler out at one of the guys in our deer camp out at his place. And he actually found a deal on an actual like cooling unit from, you know, like a butcher shop or something. Got it used a second hand. I think he had to do a little bit of work on it, but I think the cooler we built was, I don't know, maybe it's like a five by five or something like that lined it with linoleum put a drain in the floor and cranks that sucker on and it'll you can set it so it'll freeze stuff solid as a rock if you want to but it's big enough to hang like four deer in it four or five deer in it so So that's perfect if i could let them hang for a week if not two weeks in there just a dry age i would love to be able to do that and we we've done that oh gosh i don't know we've done that several times you know, when it's been warmer during the year, we'll just fire up that cooler. And I know he, I think if I remember it, he has a switch on the side, just kick it on, throw your deer in there and let them hang until you're ready to process them. Right. Right. Oh, there's so many different things to do. I'm just, 
I'm just going to keep on learning and some stuff's going to fail like my summer sausage and some stuff's going to be delicious like my canned stuff. And the only way to keep getting better at it is keep on trying. So, right. But, well, Kevin, I think it's about time we wrap this one up for tonight. Um, you have any more plans for the rest of 2022 here? Oh, I have a lot of plans for 2022. How many of them will actually happen? I can't say. Well, um, we only got a month and a little over two months left. Right. I mean, you know, I'm going to be prepping for Bobcat, obviously. Uh, I get some camera out on areas where I think there's going to be cats. See if I can get any on camera, kind of peg down some locations for when season starts for that. Obviously, I'm going to deer hunt. I'm still hoping to get out with a bow. I just need to shoot my bow a little bit, make sure I'm good with it. For sure, we'll be out during rifle season. Um, plan on getting staying after, you know, coyotes, now fox. Um, I don't know beyond that, you know, anything special planned. Uh, we got shot show in January. Um, at some point, I'm going to be trying to hook up a couple hunts with some other people, but nothing super special. Well, keep you busy at least. Yeah. Somebody's got to keep killing the coyotes because I'm sure not doing it. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I finally got a call, I think, a week ago from one of my landowners saying coyotes were howling out back. And that's probably the first I've heard of in months. So, you know, I've been getting messages or calls almost every week. And I've got a couple right now that, you know, the weather hasn't been cooperating, but a couple guys that normally they don't want me out there during deer season. They're like, yeah, you need to get yeah. out here because the coyotes are bad. You know what that means is you need some more hunters up in your area. <laughs> you shut your mouth. I knew <laughs> I knew you'd love that one. <laughs> All right, Kevin. Well, let's shut this one down. I appreciate you taking time out of your night to talk tonight. No problem. I enjoyed it. Yeah, I'll be uh, vacation starts. Let's see here. Five days, Saturday. Saturday the mm, 29th, my nine-day vacation, rutcation starts. Um, I'm probably going to have to take at least one if not two of those days to stay home so i can get a new drain field installed uh inspections happening for that this coming thursday and that's going to be the make or break moment when he tells me what i need and so yeah i'm uh, i'm looking forward to my vacation but i got some stuff that i got to deal with that's a little more important than trying to kill another deer but right. i'm gonna keep, keep after him i've got a couple nice bucks that i'm after and uh now that it's almost November, I mean, it's my time. I, I'm i ready to rock. Yeah, I'm sure you'll do it. You have a pretty good track record on that. I try, but that's my time to, you know, bust my butt and not stop until I get something down. And that's my goal this year. I've been, I've been focusing on a couple different sections of public. Uh, not going to go into too much detail on them, but I know there's some good ones in them. It's just catching up to them and being in the right spot at the right time. I mean, this morning at work, I had four different bucks on the same scrape in two hours of daylight. And this weekend when I could hunt, there wasn't a single deer, not one time on most of my cameras. And I think it was because it was 75 degrees, really? but 
I could be wrong too, but yeah, as soon as I went back to work this morning, it's like, boom, new picture, 10 point on a scrape, like son of a gun. Yeah, <laughs> they yeah. know when Monday is. Jeremy was over this evening and we were talking. He hasn't been getting squat for pictures on his cameras either, but he says a lot of it is because there's been a lot of farm activity there. They're taking off oh, yeah. the crops that are on there. But I was telling him, I said, dude, if they get that done in the next day or two and that cold front hits, if they're done out there and there's no activity, that cold front hits, hits I think, Wednesday or Thursday, I bet you'll start getting a bunch of pictures. Yeah, it's about that time where everything's running all over the place. So. Yep. I'm starting to notice increase of uh, car deer crashes. I don't know if you've noticed that, like yep. on your way home from Ohio or not, but deer getting hit almost daily around me. Yep. So, I don't know. Looking forward to it though. But yeah, vacation starts on Saturday. I don't know where I'll be next week, but uh, we'll try to sit down and record something, something, and maybe talk about that next week. Sounds good. Catch you later. All right. Thank you, Kevin. And uh, thank you, everybody that's listened. And uh, we will check in again with you next week on the Overdrive Outdoors podcast.